Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, and whether you call Collective your church home or you are just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take the next step in your journey toward the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. So today is the day. It is announcement weekend. And two weeks ago, I talked about how we had the opportunity to have a defining moment in the history of our church. We asked those of you who call Collective Your Church Home to make a commitment of what you can give to the Frederick That God Sees campaign above and beyond your regular giving over the next 11 months. And our goal was $250,000 because that's what we believe it will cost to cover the build out of a space, including gear and furnishings, as well as our first year's rent. And before I announce the total commitment, I want you all to know that we set the goal higher than what we were told was possible. You see, when going through the process of doing a capital campaign, I reached out to a few pastors as well as a few people who actually run church capital campaigns and asked them what we should set our goal at. And based on our attendance and our giving data and the age of our church, they encouraged us to set it somewhere between $175,000 and $200,000. But I didn't listen to them. I set the goal of $250,000 because we're collective and we take risks. So are you ready? All right, here's the total. All right, pause. So I feel like this should be like the price is right where you're like yelling numbers at the stage, right? Like higher, lower, I need to be like flipping things. I'm not gonna do that to you. Here's the final total for the commitments. You all crushed it. Like, it's been my joy this week to, like, text all these people who disagreed with the total that we set and just tell them what you all did and what you all are committing to doing in this city. Now, let's talk about this for a few minutes. Uh, You guys, um, we told First Service that they can't post it on social media, but you're Second Service, so you can do whatever you want. So you post it, talk about it, share it, whatever. But the main thing is this. I want you all to know that you're unbelievable. Like, you are seriously unbelievable. When going into this campaign, we expected that about 100 people would participate, But as of this week, 160 of you have filled out cards to join in in this campaign. And over $90,000 in kickoff gifts have been given to this campaign already. You all blew me away. You blew away every single person on the team that that was put together to create the series that we just did. You blew away people who aren't even from Frederick who just heard what was going on in this church. When I was texting with one of my friends this week, I shared the number with him and he texted me back and asked, did you mean $241,000? And he said, what the heck is going on at Collective? That place is nuts. And I just responded like, this is what we do at Collective. We set big goals, we dig ditches, and we step back and let God work because he has never, ever let us down. And it's encouraging to me that know that so many of you are on board and will do everything you can to let this community know that hope is real and grace is available. Now, I know that some of you are wondering what this means for Collective because the number committed is higher than our goal. And let me talk about that. The first thing is that this is the committed number, not the actual amount that's been given. So even though it is higher, the next 11 months are what matters the most as people fulfill those commitments. So even though it's higher than our goal, we still have a long way to go. 
Second, this number doesn't mean that we don't need people to fulfill their commitments, and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't commit if you've been wrestling with it. Or maybe last series was the first series you've ever been to, and we kept saying, first-time guests, don't do it. First-time guests, don't do it. And maybe you're like, well, I'm a fifth-time guest now, and I'm ready, and that's good. But here's one thing that these numbers really tell us. God is up to something big. This tells me that you are amazing, but it tells me that God is even more amazing, and God has something bigger in store for us than what we can even imagine right now. It also shows that our goals are too small because God is ready to do more. So this number means that we can look for a space that's a little bit bigger than our original goal, uh, which to be honest, it seems like something that we need to do because last week we had record attendance with 370 people here. It means we're gonna give away more. Collective gives away 10% of every dollar that we receive and this campaign is no different. It means that we get to be more generous now with our city. It means we're currently looking into buying a 15-passenger van so that we can pick up our friends from the Frederick Rescue Mission so that when we move to a new location, the guys in the Change Life Recovery Program know that they can continue to be a huge part of this church. They walk here every single Sunday. We're going to pick them up when we move, right? It means that we can do so much more to love Frederick and show people that Jesus is for them. Now, if I'm being honest, this number scares me a little bit because I think God is telling us that our goals are too small. I think God is telling us to take bigger risks. I think God is telling us that our vision is too small and there are too many lost people and he keeps challenging us to sprint after him, to seek and save the lost people with everything that we have. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have faith so big that our hearts are constantly pounding and I know that seems scary, but let me remind you, we are collective. We serve a great God. We are going to turn the world upside down and we know for a fact that the best is yet to come. So I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna thank God for what he's doing in this church and in our lives. And we're gonna jump into today's message. Let's pray. God, you are so good. God, when we think we're taking a risk, when we think we're stepping out on faith, for some reason, time and time again in this church, you show up in bigger ways than we could ever dream. God, we know that this means there's so much more that we can do in this city. God, to be honest, that freaks us out a little bit. God, we want to reach people. We want to reach as many as possible, but God, it's clear that you're telling us that there's more. So God, help us have the wisdom to find the right place. Help us to have the wisdom to move at the right pace. But God, ultimately, help us continue to be people that trust you, that put our faith in you, that take risks, so that we can see you show up time and time again and just blow us away. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for the people that are willing to do everything they can to seek and save lost people in this county, in this region, in this state, in this country. God, keep pushing us. Keep making us uncomfortable. Give us opportunities to follow you and see what you can do. God, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So today we're kicking off our Christmas series. Now, by a round of applause, how many of you are actually ready for Christmas? It's December, by the way. Yeah, better than first service. First service was like, I'm not interested in Christmas. The last two years at Collective, we've actually focused on Christmas carols in order to bring a deeper meaning to the songs that we sing during the holidays. Now, if you're a big fan of that type of music, I would encourage you to go onto YouTube or our podcast, search for Collective Church, look up the series Christmas Carols because they're great. But with us spending two years focusing on the past and the history of Christmas traditions, this year, we wanted to focus on the here and now. This year, we wanted to focus on this Christmas. And what we hope to do over the next few weeks is focus on letting go of the things that weigh us down so that we can be fully present during this Christmas season. Because let's be honest, Christmas is stressful. In between the lights and the carols and the food and the friends and family are relationships that are strained, 
bank accounts that feel maxed, time that feels too short, and it can all feel like too much to handle. So this series is about the things that we need to let go of. Because as we go through life, we accumulate a lot of junk, we accumulate hurts, we accumulate insecurities, we accumulate seeds of discontentment that grow into all types of problems. So we're going to talk about letting go of some of the burdens that hold us down so that we can actually live the life that God wants us to live. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about letting go of stuff, letting go of distractions, letting go of control. And we're going to finish this series on Christmas Eve by talking about letting go of our past. Now, just a quick reminder about Christmas Eve. This year, we will be hosting three Christmas Eve services This is more than we've done in the past, but it's back to what I just said. We want to be bold. We know that when we put out more seats, more people show up. So we're going to have three services this year. Now, here's what's really important to know. know. We will not have church on Sunday morning, December 22nd, okay? So if you show up, there will be people here setting up and tearing down. We are not opening the doors for you. You can just bang on the glass outside and we're going to tell you, turn around, go home. So no church on December 22nd. Instead, we'll be hosting one service on Christmas Eve Eve, December 23rd at 5 p.m., and two services on Christmas Eve, December 24th at 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. Now, if you're trying to figure out which service to go to, choose the one that is easiest for you to bring your friends and family to. If you invite a ton of people and they all choose different times, go to all of them. We would love to see you multiple times if you're bringing people with you. Because Christmas is the best time of year to invite people to church and where they can learn about Jesus. So if someone says yes to your invitation, you figure out how to make it happen. Today, though, to kick off the series, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about letting go of stuff. Because we have too much stuff. In fact, we have so much stuff, we don't even know where to put it all, so we buy more stuff to hold all of our stuff. And so we need to figure out how to let go of some of it because the truth is it weighs us down. A pastor named Craig Rochelle says this. He says, it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does, right? And that feels like common sense. The problem is that everything in our culture screams the opposite. You can go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible when God creates Adam and Eve to see that. In Genesis 1, the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible, God creates the world, says that it's good. Then what he does is he creates man and he realizes that man is alone. So he thinks this is not good. So what God does is he creates Eve so man doesn't have to be alone. From the very beginning, he wanted us to be in community. Then what God does is he actually gives them a set of guidelines of how to live. He tells them to be fruitful and multiply. He tells them that everything in the Garden of Eden is theirs except for one thing. There's a tree in the garden that they aren't allowed to eat from. And no sooner does God tell them this, that the serpent comes along and second guesses God by saying, did God really say you can't eat from the fruit of that tree? So all the way back, the very first creation story, you see the very same lie implied that so many of us tend to believe today, and that is what you don't have is what you need to be happy, to be fulfilled, to be complete. And so many of us have been raised to believe that more is always better, right? More is always better. If $1 is good, $2 are better. If one vacation is good, two vacations are better. If one car is good, two cars are better, But check out what Solomon says. Solomon was a king of Israel and he had the gift of wisdom that was actually given to him by God. He says this in Ecclesiastes 4. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. In other words, it's better to have less of a good thing than more of a bad thing. Why? 
because our lives are too valuable to waste chasing after the wind. And God is too good to let us waste our life away trying to gather handfuls of stuff at the cost of peace, at the cost of hope, at the cost of what truly matters, which is a relationship with God. And Solomon knew that. Solomon was speaking from experience because he had everything. He had wealth, land, power, the best of the best. And still at the end of his life, he said that everything was meaningless except for a relationship with God. But it isn't just Solomon who warned us about this. Jesus did this as well. There's a story about two sons that were obsessed with gaining their inheritance. And this is what Jesus warned them and those who were gathered around listening in Luke 12. And then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Your life is not measured by your stuff. Everything in culture tells you the opposite, but I want you to understand you are not what you have. You are not what you drive. You are not what you wear. You are not what you own. You are not the stuff that you have. The lie is what you don't have is what you need to be happy, fulfilled, joyful, cool, to fit in, to feel good about yourself, to be significant, to be important, to be popular. But I would ask you this question, what if the stuff you have is actually robbing you from the life you want? Because better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and stress and anxiety and chasing after the wind. Listen, the reason why this is the topic for today is because the lie is even stronger at Christmas. This is the season where we buy a bunch of junk, where we receive a bunch of junk. And so I wanna give you two applications that will help you with letting go of your stuff. And listen, there's a reason why today is all about letting go and it's not about let go because this is a process. You will not be good at this just because I talked about it today. But if you start to put these applications into practice, this Christmas will have less stress, but next Christmas will be even better. And the one after that, even better, because this is a process. So here's the first application for today. Get rid of stuff, right? Sounds easy, we know it's not. You guys are thinking about your closet right now. When you look at the junk that most of us have, it's ridiculous. We have so much junk, we actually try to hide it in a junk drawer, right? In boxes in the attic, in so many containers in the garage that we park our car, which is more valuable, on the street. So we need to get rid of stuff as if our lives depend on it. Because your life does not consist in the abundance of the junk that you have. Listen, I'm not just talking about decluttering. I'm talking about de-owning. Because I'd argue all day long that, that owning less is way better than organizing more. Get rid of stuff. There's a story in the Bible about a guy whose name we don't actually even know, but he was labeled as the rich young ruler. And he had a lot of stuff. But the problem with him was that his stuff actually had him. And Jesus said something to him that Jesus doesn't say to anyone else in the Bible. And this is probably because Jesus knew that he had an issue with his stuff. And so the rich young ruler goes to Jesus and he asks him what he must do to live a righteous life. And Jesus said, what you need to do is sell your stuff. Take that money, give it to the poor. The problem was that that guy was so into his stuff that Matthew wrote, when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. Listen, it's not wrong to have stuff. It's not wrong to have nice stuff. This isn't what I'm talking about. That's not what Jesus teaches. What is wrong, though, is when your stuff has you. 
It's wrong when your life is defined by the things that you own. It's wrong when you believe that more things is actually what you need to be fulfilled and happy in life. And what ends up happening is you pursue a bunch of junk and you believe that there's something meaningful, meaningful or something powerful or something that will fill a void inside of you that no amount of things you ever purchase will fill. Because the truth is that void is a spiritual void and it needs to be filled by the goodness of God and his grace. And so we have too much stuff. And we know this, we all know this. But why do we hold on to so much stuff? Why don't we give it away? Why don't we throw it away? I think there are three big reasons why this is hard for us, why we have so many knickknacks, why we have so many t-shirts, why you still have those VHS tapes. And no, Karen, they will not be valuable one day. (laughs) The first reason is fear. We are afraid that we might need this in the future, that our children might want it. Your children don't want it, I can promise you that. (laughs) That we would be a bad steward if we gave something away that we've never used. But what this fear does is that it actually leads to a lack of faith because when you give stuff away that you might need in the future, you're actually trusting in the future that God will provide. One of my friends who is way better at this than I am has instituted a rule in their house. When you get something, you give something. Get a new shirt, give a shirt away. Get a new pair of shoes, give an old pair away. They do this with their kids. Get a new toy, give one away. And their kids love this. And what this does is it frees them up, it unburdens their life, and it teaches their children that accumulating stuff isn't the goal in life, and that they can actually care for other people by not letting fear win out. Another reason we don't give things away is because of sentiment. This is why you still have trophies from your karate class, even though every kid got one, and it wasn't because you were good at karate. This is why, parents, you have every art project your kid ever did. This is why you still have that t-shirt that you wore that one time, even though you don't even listen to the Backstreet Boys anymore, right? We hold on to things because of sentiment. When Ray and I were in college, we were going on a road trip to Chattanooga, and I'm not even completely sure how we got on this topic, but we were actually talking about how our moms, both of them, have held on to everything from our childhood. And at one point, Ray said to me, I bet your mom still has your baby teeth. And I thought, there's no way. That sounds crazy, only a serial killer would keep teeth. (laughs) But then I started thinking about my mom and how sentimental she is about everything. She has kept everything from my childhood. Every Little League jersey I ever worn is in a bag in her attic and she calls me all the time asking if I want them, I don't. And in a moment of denial, I actually called my mom and before she could even ask how I was doing, I interrupted and I was like, mom, Ray thinks you kept my baby teeth, but that's weird, right? And my mom on the other line just started laughing because she did. She kept them. And some of you are judging her right now, and some of you have a secret compartment in a jewelry box with your children's teeth. And some of you are having kids right now, wondering if you should do this. The answer is no, you should not do this. It's weird, okay? If there's a murder on your street, they're gonna look at you like you're a suspect. But we tend to keep things because of sentiment. And the third reason we're unable to get rid of things, this is the toughest one, is because of pain. And I know this sounds weird, but think about it. There are clothes in your closet right now that you need to get rid of because every time you see them, all they do is bring pain into your life. They remind you of times that were happier. They remind you of nostalgia from your childhood that you don't want to move on from. They remind you of a size that you used to be, but they're clothes you don't need anymore, don't want anymore. They don't fit anymore, but it pains you to move on in your life, to accept who you are, to accept where you are. 
So we hold on to things because of pain. And I know that's tough to hear because a lot of us keep things because of that. And I want you to know this doesn't mean you have to get rid of everything, but it just means that you don't have to keep everything. January 1st of this year, Netflix put out a show that led to millions of people getting rid of their stuff. And some of you watched it. It was called Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. It's a super weird show, but the world was obsessed with it. So I watched a few episodes. And when talking about getting rid of things, she said that she would thank them for the purpose they served in the past and then get rid of them. So thank you, God, for that shirt. It kept me closed and allowed me to walk into restaurants. Now it's time to bless someone else. Thank you, God, for the gift that my college roommate gave me years ago. It served a very valuable purpose and showed me the love of a friend. I treasure it in my heart, and now I'm going to give it to somebody else. Thank you, God, for my child's teeth. They let him eat. Now I'm going to bless the trash with them. Right? We cannot let our stuff weigh us down. Because I know for me what I want, what I want is less stuff that doesn't matter so that I can have more stuff that really does. So the first thing we're gonna do this Christmas is get rid of stuff. And the second thing we're gonna do is buy less stuff. Some of you are already thinking too late, right? Black Friday started on Thursday, you already went. You don't wanna tell other people, your Amazon cart is full right now and you're just waiting for Monday so you can click that button. You failed miserably. That's okay, this is the process. But did you know that 62% of people admit to shopping to cheer themselves up as a form of kind of self-medication? I feel down. I feel depressed, so I'm gonna go shopping and go deeper into get to debt because apparently that is gonna make me feel better, right? When I should go shopping, it makes me feel powerful. It gives me a sense of momentary significance to buy something I don't need with money I don't have to impress people I don't even really like, right? There's just something about it that gives us this temporary dopamine high because I believe that what I don't have is what I need to be fulfilled, complete, satisfied, Psalm 119 says, turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Some of you are searching for life in the things you are buying, but God teaches that real life comes through him. And so we should turn our eyes from stuff that doesn't really matter and turn it on things that do matter, onto what God offers, onto second chances, onto authentic relationships, onto the grace of God. Because nothing you buy can ever give you those things. I know for me, this is the type of life that I want to live. I'm not there now, but I want to be in a place where my life is so full of the goodness of God that I don't need stuff to help me feel better about myself. I don't need stuff to define who I am because Jesus has already done that. One of the ways that Ray and I are trying to do this in our marriage, in our family, is by focusing on experiences over things, memories over stuff. I think one of the best examples of this in our lives is getting a Christmas tree. Now, I'm not a huge fan of having a Christmas tree in my house. Trees belong outside. They make a mess. They clutter up your living room. And sometimes they have spiders. So listen, I know I'm a ton of fun at Christmas. Try being married to me. It's great. (laughs) But a few years into our marriage, we went to Home Depot to pick out a tree and put it up in our house. But it felt like stuff for the sake of Christmas. So when we had kids, we decided to make an experience to go out and cut down a Christmas tree. This is one of the best memories from my childhood. And I wanted to share that with my girls. So we bundle up, we head to a Christmas tree farm. Elise usually picks out a tree, which usually involves us saying, no, not that one, no, not that one, yes, that one. And then she helps me cut it down. And when we get home, we turn on Christmas music and we decorate together because it's about experiences, about turning our eyes from stuff and onto what truly matters, which is my family. So this Christmas, we're gonna get rid of stuff, 
Do not be weighed down by stuff. Because on the other side of that stuff, there is freedom and there is joy and there is time for relationships. We're going to buy less stuff. We're going to focus on experiences and make memories, time with the people we love. Not stuff that will just waste away. Now I want to end today with a passage from 1 Timothy And this was a letter that Paul was writing to his mentee, Timothy, about letting go of stuff because 2,000 years ago, people were struggling with this. And this is what Paul wrote. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. We are rich. We might not feel rich. We might know people who are richer than us, but if you can pick up your phone and order a pizza through an app, you're rich. If you have two cars, you're rich. If you have enough clothes to wear something different every single day of the week, you're rich. Truth is, this is just about perspective. Paul continues, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Again, we don't feel guilty if we have nice stuff. We just don't let our stuff have us. But he finishes with this. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. That last line is the most important one, so that they may experience true life. True life is not found in the abundance of stuff. But when you are generous, when you choose experiences, when you overflow the goodness of God and share that with others, that is true life. That is the life that Jesus wants you to live. And some of you woke up this morning realizing that something is missing from your life. In fact, that's probably why some of you are here today. You woke up and you realized something's off, something's wrong, something doesn't feel right. I'm gonna give church a shot. And the truth is you can continue to try other things. You can go to parties, you can try to get more likes, try to become more popular, have more fun, travel more places, get more things, get a bigger house, get nicer stuff for your house, try a different person and another person and another person, and then a bigger house. And you can try everything in this world, but you are still going to come up short because you will not find what you are looking for in stuff. So you can continue to try to fill the void in your life with material things, or you can allow Jesus to fill that void so that you can experience true life. Only Jesus can fill that void. The good news is that is exactly what he came to do. Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross to pay the price for our sin. Then on the third day, God raised him from the dead. God defeated death and hell and sin and the grave. And now we have access to God and the life that he offers through Jesus. Not by our own effort, not by our own goodness, but only by the grace of God. So for some of you this Christmas, it's actually just time to say yes to the true life that Jesus offers. To put your faith in him, not materials to get baptized so that you can receive new life because it's so much better than stuff. This is life found only in Jesus because better is one handful with tranquility, with contentment, with peace, with joy, with simplicity, with margin, with confidence, with the ability to be generous than two handfuls with toil, with more stuff and chasing after the wind, less of what doesn't matter, less of imitations, less of distractions, less of the stuff that just costs more stuff, less of the stuff that just accumulates and gets in the way of what matters. And we want more of what does matter, more intimacy, more peace, 
more joy, more grace, more authentic and committed relationships, more generosity, more of the life that is truly life. The only way to experience true life, to experience life to the fullest, to experience life in a way where you can live freely and lightly, to experience life where you can get rid of your burdens and find rest is through Jesus, not stuff. Let's pray. God, we have so much stuff. God, it overwhelms us. We try to hide it. We try to justify it. God, what we know and what we read and what we experience in our own lives is oftentimes that just gets in the way of what's good, of true life, of real relationships, of experiences, of memories, of joy. So God, I just pray that we can wrestle with this because so many of us are trying to fill a void in our lives with stuff, a void in our childhood, a void in our relationships, a void in our faith by buying the next big thing, by buying something that maybe someone will look at us and think that we're cool or powerful or important. But the truth is, God, that doesn't come from stuff. That only comes from you. And God, even though we're broken and even though we're messed up, you still look at us and think we are important. You call us good. You call us love. So God, I pray that we can focus on that. We can focus on true life. We can focus on other people instead of our stuff. So God, we just pray during this Christmas season as we feel those burdens, God, we move away from buying things and giving things that we don't even need and closer to you, closer to hope, closer to grace and closer to your love. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.